Hello and welcome back to the ERMBA show. It's been a while. We took a little hiatus, but we're back. We're ready for some more episodes. There's been a lot of stuff going on in the NBA, but there's nothing really to talk about other than the COVID situation. No other big trades or anything. But as always, I'm here with Ezra. What's up? How's it going, guys? So once again, we're really happy that this episode is sponsored by Free Lunch Coffee. When you buy one bag of free lunch coffee, you're providing 10 meals to children in need. And free lunch coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. Free lunch coffee has great coffee that's specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. Also, they're offering 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love their coffee, they'll give you a full refund and you can keep the coffee too. And just as a listener of this episode, Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to our loyal listeners. So go to their website and use the coupon code MBA at checkout. That's freelunchcoffee.com. We're really excited about this. So thanks again for listening. So let's get going. We're going to talk about some surprises, impressive performances so far. I think we're 12 to 15 games through the season, depending on how many players you have that have tested positive or contact tracing. And then we'll also look at some disappointing players. But when doing the research and figuring out who I wanted to talk about today, I was reminded of one of my favorite parts of basketball internet. And this is the nicknames on basketball reference. So we have Malcolm Brogdon with Humble Moses or... Kelly Oubre with Tsunami Poppy. But I was wondering, Ezra, if I had my own basketball reference page, what would be my nickname? Yeah, so I gave this some thought for about 30 seconds and I knew I just had to come up with this one. It's going to be Maccabi Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> Your Swiss army knife on the court, obviously representing Jewish basketball, Jewish basketball players all around the world. So I think that one suits you pretty well. And I feel like when you say maestro, you kind of feel like it's a little slow. Yeah. And so I get that little bit of flair of Kyle Anderson slow-mo in there. Exactly. So do you want to start us off? Let's move on. First first player you have on your list for most impressive. Yeah. So there have been a ton of guys that have impressed throughout the beginning of this year. Um, another year where it's been easier for players to get adjusted to game scenarios without fans um more open gym like environments but the first one i had was chris boucher um been extremely impressive for the raptors even though they haven't been as good as we expect them to be earlier on early on this year he's averaged 16.1 points seven rebounds per game he averaged six and four last year so clear improvement there and he has the highest win share for 48 minutes in the league which is really insane um, so overall, I think he's been really impressive. When I watched them the other night, he definitely stuck out to me as one of their best players. Yeah, and they he has the highest win share in the NBA, and I believe they're five and eight. Yeah, and there's is... teams like the Lakers have eleven wins, so that's pretty crazy. It does make sense that he took a little bit of a boost because there he's getting ten more minutes a game without Gasol and Ibaka there. But he's making the most of those minutes. His shooting percentage, his three-point percentage went up by 14, 15 percentage points. He's shooting 46.9%. He like barely jumps and he kind of just flings it with his flailing arms. It's pretty impressive. And you're right. The Mavs did make him look like one of the best players in the <laughs> league the other night. 
And going up by to 9.3 rebounds and shooting over 60% from the field, true shooting percentage or effective field goal percentage of basically 70%. Um, he's a candidate for six man and most improved player. I fully agree. I love him. I don't think I could talk about him enough. And his nickname on basketball reference is Swatter Boy. <laughs> One thing that you did say that I wanted to, I guess this is who knows the real answer to this, but do you think it's for sure easier to play without fans or just to get adjusted? I think, I don't know. I think it is easier to play without fans. Um, for Toronto specifically, though, I don't know how easy it is for them to move down to Tampa and play in a new gym. I think it might have been for them. It may have been easier in like a. He's to from have Canada fans. too, Chris yeah. Boucher. So to move to the United States, have no fans, play in an arena where well, they did have fans originally, actually. Yeah, but then... that didn't work out. Um, I think it's an interesting situation. I think it depends on the player and the team. But for the Raptors playing in Tampa, Tampa, I don't know if that's such an easy situation. I think the no fans is part of the reason why we see so many blowouts. Yeah, I agree because. Once you, even when you're down 15, if you were just down 25 and you have the fans behind you, it might seem like a smaller lead. There's also shorter season, resting, coasting, so many other factors, but maybe that's why. Let's, so let's go to our next um, impressive player. Who do you have? I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward. And I, this may be a surprise because we didn't. We, he, we've just expected him to be good, but he's been hurt for so long. People were really upset about his contract. Does he really deserve that much? And maybe he doesn't, but he's still he's playing better than he did in his one all-star season in Utah. So he has just a little bit more points, um, more rebounds. He's shooting over 40% from three, almost 41% from three, and 50% from the field. And he he he's obviously getting more shots because there's no Tatum Brown or Kemba to take shots away from him, but he stepped into the role and he's making the most of it. Five more points than last year. Um, 1.2 steals, about the same assists and rebounds, but he's supposed to be taking more shots as opposed to passing. And I would say that Charlotte is a much tougher team to play against than we expected. That's partially because of LaMelo being there, but Devontae Graham isn't playing as well. And I think Gordon Hayward's a big reason for that. Yeah, definitely. Borrego has done a really good job with the Hornets thus far earlier this year. He's also on 50-40-90 watch, which is really impressive. Like you said, we we expect Gordon Hayward to be good. He's been injury-riddled past however many years, but equivalent close to, if not his best uh, season of his career thus far. Uh, he's been really impressive. Also, I have him on fantasy, so it helps. He probably won't make the all-star team because the East has so many wings mm -hmm. and forwards, but... The fact that he's playing better than his all-star season is I'm just I feel like I'm just happy for him because I love I really love that Butler team. Yeah. I love that Butler team. I think I don't know how you couldn't have been rooting for them in that unless you were what a Duke fan. Yeah, Duke. But, Shelvin Mack was a dog also. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see if we're gonna disagree on any of these. Yeah, all do, right. Moving forward. I think we might disagree on this. Do you one. wanna go to uh disappointing first and then we'll come back yeah and we finish can do that. all the all right let's yeah, go to we, disappointing all right so my first disappointing player is trey young um we, we're not going to disagree on this one i know because we've talked about it off air but i lost a lot of respect for trey young uh in their first game against the nets uh it seemed like it seems like trey young's 
a pest around the league right now. He's playing basketball in a weird way. Steve Nash was talking to the ref during the Mets Hawks game and said it wasn't basketball or not. It wasn't not basketball the way he was drawing fouls. He's shooting 23% or 27% from three um, for a guy that's supposed to be a shooter. Uh, Steph Curry like that's really, really not good down from 34% last year. I'm pretty sure averaging 22.9 points per game, 8.9 assists, 4.5 rebounds per game. Just really disappointing. I felt like the Hawks should have taken a step forward this year, even if they weren't in playoff contention. It seems like they've really taken a step back. May, we, as we know, John Collins and the Hawks have had some problems. So it may not all fall on, not all fall on Trey Young's back, but has been disappointing thus far. People have been saying since last year, I see it all the time. Whenever the Mavs play the Hawks, I try not to go on Twitter because you just hear the worst takes ever and it's annoying. But people have been saying, just get Trey help. Just get Trey help. Just get Trey help. You go out, you get Bogdanovich. You go out, you get Gallinari. You have second year players in Reddish and Hunter who actually have Hunter's been playing really, really well. Maybe the most reliable player on their team. You go out, you get Capella, you go out, you get Rondo. That's a lot of money. A lot of good guys. You're supposed to be making the playoffs. And instead you have locker room issues. You are taking bad shots. Just it, it's upsetting because he was supposed to be an, one of those MVP candidates, not necessarily top five MVP candidate, but, going forward, looking into the future, a potential MVP candidate. And I, before the year, was so, so adamant they weren't going to make the playoffs, they weren't going to make the playoffs. But I didn't think it would be because he was bad. Yeah. I thought it would be because they weren't going to play any defense, which I was right about. But I thought he would at least carry them to some more wins. And I was, I'm not a genius. I did think that the Wizards would be ahead of them, and that's looking like one of the worst takes ever. So, <laughs> so you get some, you win some, you lose some. But I thought he was going to take another step forward. I see him and Luca together all the time. Luca taking massive jump, him taking significant jump, not massive, and Luca taking another significant jump, and him kind of plateauing in a way. So that'll be key to watch in Atlanta because. They spend a lot of money, and if pieces aren't working the way they expect them to work, we could see some trades out of there. It looks like the locker room's messed up, so that's interesting. I think I agree, but I th- I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm still going to give them some time to turn it around. Let's see if they get rid of John Collins. I think that at the end of the season, there could be a more positive outlook on Trey than there is now. I agree. I mean, they had a good – First start to the season before there were those locker room issues with John's John Collins. They were scoring a ton. We were shocked and they were putting up 140 a game first like and couple And then games. we saw who they were playing. Exactly. The, the Bulls and the Pistons of the world. Exactly. And the so. Nets of pretty hard in trade. It just, <laughs> just wasn't wasn't good. Yeah. So I'm gonna go to one of my disappointing players, and I'm going to start with I have a few to choose from. So let's go with OG Anuobi. I think that's how you pronounce his Anubi. name. Anuobi. Anuobi, whatever it is. I have no idea. So <laughs> he's actually averaging higher than his career averages, and he's increased every single year in his point totals. But So he averaged 10.6 last year, 13.1 this year. He's down 2.5 percentage points in three, down 4.5 percentage points from the field. 
basically everything else is essentially exactly the same. Total rebounds are 0.2 difference. Assist not down by 0.1, basically the same. I expected him to take a step forward and be an close to an most improved player candidate up there. And Boucher has taken that role and he basically plateaued. And so maybe it's not disappointing. I just expected him to take a step forward. And I guess he's just exactly what he was. And that kind of upsets me because I like watching these Raptors teams when they're good with these sort of unsung heroes, underdog mentality, moving the ball, just a little change of pace from the Brooklyn's of the world. (laughs) (laughs) But he just, I was just wrong on him, I guess. He, there's still time. The Raptors have looked really disappointing when you're probably there's less attention being put on Siakam because the scouting report's there. So he's getting more attention, less open threes. So he's doing okay. I just thought there would be a bigger jump. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I don't know if I was I thought he would take as big of a jump as you thought, but I definitely expected him to get better. They need all their this year, if they wanted to be as good as they were last year, they needed all their guys step up and play even better than they would than they did last year. I had Siakam on my disappointing list, and it kind of reminds me of the same narrative you were using. He's still averaging 19-7-5, which is better than last year, but he's shooting 26% from three. Really not good. That's nine percentage points down, I think. And they're shooting the most threes in the league, I believe. Yeah, and he, I'm pretty sure he's taking less shots, but – even so, I think my expectations were really high for Siakam. I wanted him to be that player. Even if he's not the best player on a championship team, he was the second best two years ago. So I wanted him to be that caliber player. And I think my expectations were a bit too high for Siakam. Yeah, I think in the bubble, everyone was like, don't overreact. Don't overreact to Siakam. Don't overreact to Siakam. But we're going to overreact to everything else. Yeah. <laughs> but don't overreact to Siakam. Okay. And... What we saw in the bubble was that he's going to spin nine times out of ten, and teams know that now. It's pretty impressive that he still does it every single possession. It's just natural, probably, Mm -hmm. and it's not working. And it's still – I think he was – I thought he – 19 is – I didn't realize he was averaging less than 19 last year, Mm -hmm. and they were still a top, what, three seed in the East. Mm -hmm. Well, I was listening to – Kevin O'Connor's podcast and they were talking about how it's one thing when players like Terrence Davis and who is the shooter that they had Matt Thomas Matt Thomas are luxuries just extra guys at the end of the bench as opposed to being necessities now you like need them to produce where like when they randomly go off like it's just a bonus now they need it and that's not consistent and that's I think been the problem for the Raptors so go ahead and Give me an, an impressive one, an impressive guy. All right, back to an impressive player. I'm going to go with Julius Randle. Um, I don't know if we're going to agree on this one. I think I'm a little higher on the mix than you are, as we talked about recently. But Tom Thibodeau special, he's played the most minutes in the league out of anybody this year, averaging 22 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists. He averaged, I think that's three more assists than any other season in his career, shooting 48% from the floor. Uh, Last year, he averaged 19 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists, shooting 35% from three, 27%, up from 27% last year. And he's leading the Knicks to a six and seven start, who are playing incredible defense as well. They're holding teams to 100 points more nights than they definitely should be. So I was really impressed with Randall, especially the start of the year. He had some really insane performances carrying the Knicks. Obviously, that wasn't going to last all year, and it hasn't. But I've been really impressed with the way he's 
handled himself. He's improved his shot, turns the ball over a lot less now. And it just looks, looks like he's a matured version of himself. Yeah, I can't disagree that to this point, he's been extremely impressive and so much improved. But hearing you tell me his stats from last year, shock me. Because if you were to just give me off the top of my head, say, guess what he averaged last year, I'd say like 15, 8, and 2, mm-hmm. which is I underestimated all his stats. You could say maybe they're empty, but this year they're definitely not empty. And he's on my fantasy team. I drafted him to fill a hole for KP until he came back. And he's been great. A lot of triple doubles. I do think that the assists are the most impressive part. I think before he was like, I'm going to try to bully ball you and just use my left hand. Mm -hmm. And the maturity was a good, a good word to use, I think. And I think that if he can keep the assists up, I do think, though, that the points will probably stick around like between 19 and 22. I don't think they'll go much higher than that. And if the assists stay up, that'll be his biggest. It makes him more versatile. It helps the team. Um, It's good for the culture. Let's just see what happens when shots, if the shots don't fall. Yeah. How he he responds. Definitely. I'm going to go with a exciting player that I think is playing so well. Um, I'll let you, um, I'll go with Kyle Anderson. Gotcha. The Grizzlies are over 500 and they were missing John Morant for a large, large majority of games. They were missing Jaron Jackson. So they were basically playing with a bunch of bums and he's my NBA player comparison. So in the time when Jaw and um, Jaron Jackson were out. Kyle Anderson was basically the leading scorer on the team. And he's averaging 12 and a half points up from 5.8 last year. Um, 4.1 assists up from 2.4. 7.2 rebounds up from 4.3. His shooting percentage is down, but he's not meant to be the number one option. And he's shooting over double the shots he took last year. His three-point percentage is fine. It's up from last year. Taking three more, too. Yeah, so... I think the fact that his two best players were out, he's been injured for a while and he's kind of finding his rhythm. It's unconventional, not the prettiest to watch, but he's grinding out wins for the grit and grind Grizzlies, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so in college, in high school, anywhere, there's probably never a time in his life where someone looked at him and said, wow, he's going to be a freak in the NBA because he looks like he's just playing pickup ball at the JCC like all the time and it works and I just love it. And I love the Grizzlies. I think that they're the second best team in the Mavs division now that Harden's gone. Mm-hmm. And people were telling me before the season that I was crazy and that it was the Pelicans. And I still am have stuck to it the whole time that I think the Grizzlies are better than the Pelicans. And I think Kyle Anderson is a big reason why. Yeah, he's uh like you said, it's pretty unconventional. He's like a Swiss Army knife maestro, like we mentioned earlier. Um, he's he's a character. You watch him, you're like, who the hell is that dude walking around the court? And he just finds a way to put the ball in the basket. It's like a it's like a finesse almost, and it's really it's really interesting to watch his game. I think when I saw him play, I was uh, probably in eighth grade, and he was a senior in high school, and he plays the same exact way. Like he, he just, he just is slow mo. Literally, his nickname. His nickname, his Instagram bio. 
his nickname on basketball reference my favorite thanks yeah. for letting me plug that <laughs> he's a, he's a good one i like that you want to do most improved or disappointing next uh i'll do one more impressive slash most improved i'll do uh i'm choosing between two like you were but i'm gonna go with christian wood um people were really excited about him last year in detroit um he was solid but no one really expected him to take a huge jump and this year like his teammates are comparing him to like anthony davis type numbers type play style he's averaging 23 points 10 rebounds 36 percent from three um shooting more threes than he ever has um rockets really needed guys to step up this year uh harden is obviously gone they're really not as good as um they're they're not as good as they were with harden and they need guys to step up if they're going to be anywhere near that so he's done a really good job shooting 60 percent on two-point field goals 36 percent from three like i mentioned just really, really solid numbers from a guy that um, was in the G League for a while and really made his way and has a spot in the league right now. Yeah, he's averaging 24 and 10 right now. So let's say for comparison, someone who's considered a good big man, Carl Anthony Towns, 22 and 12 and a half. I think that maybe in a year, people are saying, wow, would we rather have Christian Wood than Carl Anthony Towns? Like, is that a possible conversation that? fans could be having that'd be pretty crazy honestly i mean i think cat will always be looked at in a higher light because of where he came from the stature he's also had struggles mentally and with injuries recently he's so a I, way better shooter he is way better he i think <laughs> i think he'll be always this is just seated. stat yeah, watching just stat <laughs> watching only st- pure stats although timberwolves really have not been good for the past few years uh, so that could be interesting to watch. Not gonna lie, Christian Wood's just been really, really solid. He's not—he's not, he's not going to be the best player on your team, or maybe second best, but he's the perfect rim running, pick and roll, modern day NBA big. We were NBA just talking, yeah. We were just talking about stats, four. like stat watching. I'm pretty sure. I think Anthony Davis is averaging 19, like 10 and seven, or like something like that. Yeah, but that's so, like, like almost a triple double. Yeah, <laughs> but still. Points and rebounds, if you just look at that, Christian Wood would be better. Obviously, you can't do that and would never do that. But for the record, his stats are up there with some of the top big men in the league. All right. So I'll do my last most impressive, and then I'll give an honorable mention shout-out. And if you want to give a shout-out too. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon, the humble Moses, the president, (laughs) Uncle Malcolm. (laughs) He is – I don't know why, but if you wanted to know, he's 6'5", 229 pounds but anyways he the pacers are not necessarily i don't i wasn't that surprised in our last podcast in our teams that were being overlooked before the season i said the pacers Mm -hmm. but i it was all about sabonis and they don't have oladipo anymore but anyway tj warren was good brogdon is up to 22 points per game last year 16 and a half 7.5 assists four rebounds that's about the same so he's still distributing the ball, getting the rebounds up to 1.8 steals, but he increased his point total by a lot. And he's only taking he's taking four more shots per game, shooting the ball better. He's shooting 43.3% from three. He's on 50, 40, 90 watch also, even though he's had it before. In his third year in the league, he had it. He's a little bit off, but the Pacers are good. They're legit on defense. They have 
they probably don't have that superstar they need, but the way that Brogdon is playing, they have an inside threat and an outside threat. I mean, if Karras is okay, that could be a really, really tough out in the playoffs for a good team. That could be a – they could take most teams six, seven games in the East. I Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I mean, he's been extremely impressive, like you said. They were injury real at the start of the year. Miles Turner has been unreal. He's out now, but he's – in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Brogdon has been so impressive. Like you said, Karras is healthy come playoff time. Like they could be really scary. They've always been net killers. Sabonis, I love. I think he's so fun to watch. And just he plays the game so fluidly. But Brogdon has been extremely important for them. I really like the way he's playing. All right. I just want to give a quick shout out to Kobe White. I think that he's been Slight three more points per game, but the assists are up almost doubled. The rebounds are up too. And he's not shooting the ball very efficiently. He's shooting the ball fine, but the bulls are sneakily slightly more decent. They're really bad, but they're not as bad as I thought they'd be. Mm -hmm. And Kobe white killed the Mavs on one occasion. And he just needs to figure out where, is his shot and what exactly his game is. But I really think that he could end up being like a microwave off the bench on like a pretty good team. Once he figures out kind of just gets into the groove in the NBA game, but he can score the ball. Like when he gets hot, he can, he can score at probably all three levels. He's not the greatest finisher and his, but his almost six assists and 16 points is like solid. The bulls are just terrible. And, he shoots a lot of bad shots, but it's because he's in his second year. But I think Zach Levine is might be gone. Who knows? We'll see. But I just don't think he's going to be a bust. Like I think yeah. he'll be a fine NBA player. I think you can compare him to like, I think you compare him to like a Jordan Clarkson. Maybe he'll be. That's how what he could end up being. Except yeah. he passes the ball. I think yeah, probably, probably better, mm-hmm. a little better. But Clarkson's a better scorer right now. So we'll see. Definitely. That was just. My honorable mention. Anything else you want to say for most improved, and then we can. Yeah, honorable mention. Jeremy Grant scoring twenty plus points eight straight games. That's the most in his career, averaging twenty five six and two. He's just embracing that new role in Detroit, even though they are actually probably the worst team in the league. Um, yeah, shooting I think eighteen the times a game. The yeah, they, I think they are, and he's shooting eight more than shots than he ever has, but still shooting the ball pretty well. So shout out to him. I think they're the worst team in the league, have the worst roster in the league, and have the least direction of any team in the league. I agree. There's, I just, they're just gonna have to hit gold in the, in the lottery. At least they're decent to watch. Do you have any uh, disappointing guys? Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'll go with Robert Covington first. The dude gets traded for two first round picks, basically, right? Mm-hmm. The, and Ariza. And Ariza, who is just not in the NBA right now, I don't think. Or no, he does. No, he's, he's not. Yeah. And last year on Houston, you we can't use the well he was on Houston. Mike D'Antoni inflates everyone's numbers because when I tell you that he's averaged over twelve points or over eleven points every year since his since two thousand fourteen, I'm being dead serious. Thirteen and a half a few times, fourteen and a half once. So last year he's at eleven point six shooting terribly from three, 31% from three. And this year he's gotten even worse. Six and a half points per game. The rebounds are down by three. The assists are the same. The um, 
and he's shooting 30% from three and 31% from the field. And Portland was praised for this move. And maybe he was overhyped because he looks like a stiff on defense. Like people can just blow by him and he's not hitting the threes. So currently he's playing like a three and D player who cannot shoot the three and is average at best on defense. And the two things that Portland needs right now are defense and more defense. (laughs) They are competing with Atlanta for the worst defensive team in the league. But was, they actually have an MVP candidate in Lillard and CJ was playing like an MVP. MVP. Yeah. And so they were they're still over 500 and they'll still make the playoffs, but now they don't have Nurkic or McCollum and this guy that they gave up two first round picks for is, is a bum. Yeah. yeah. I was watching the what was it? Thunder Rockets series in the bubble. And it's crazy how narratives can make or break players' careers. So many examples of it. But Robert Covington being a good on-ball defender or, like, very good on-ball defender is just completely wrong, in my opinion. I was watching Chris Paul, 36-year-old Chris Paul, run circles around him in the playoffs. Point God. Point, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best point guards ever. But besides the point, he could not stay in front of him. Like you said, looked like a stiff. And I didn't know if it was just because it was Chris Paul, but he really, really has not been good this year. I It looks like he had a bad injury. He The way he moves reminds me of the way that Wesley Matthews started moving after he tore his Achilles. Yeah. And I don't, unless I my mind is mistaking me, I don't think that Robert Covington tore his Achilles. He did not. So it's just upsetting because, I'm, I mean, actually it's like not him. upsetting. I'm fine with it because he was always... When he was in Minnesota and Philly, it was a guy that I would have wanted on the Mavs. Mm-hmm. And now that I know what he actually is, I'm happy we dodged the bullet, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Yep. Anyone you got? Kelly Oubre. I mean, he had a really, really disappointing start to the year. Pretty sure he started 0 for 17 on three-pointers. It was like a running joke about whether he was going to make a three-pointer and when he would make a three-pointer. He's averaging 12 points five rebounds and 0.9 assists, barely one assist, shooting 20% from three, 36% from the field. Just been a really bad start to the year overall for Ubre, who was expected to come in. They traded her in because of the clay situation, obviously unfortunate, but he really has not been able to fill even close to the role clay had in Dub City. He's aver- He averaged 19 points last year almost, and now he's like 12 and a half. But I still love him. I mean, maybe I should say I loved him, but think about the I still have so much stock in Kelly Oubre. Think about you owning stock in a company that's tanking. It's like heading towards bankruptcy, but you just refuse to sell it because you still have hope. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about Oubre. No, that makes I sense. I think that maybe last year it was like 35% from three and he's like 20 now. I still want to have hope in him, but he was really really bad at one point he was only only made dunks everything else was brick after brick after brick tough for the tsunami poppy the wave poppy all that stuff it was he loved he was the face of like the phoenix the valley boys all that stuff crazy but the bay area should be good for him hopefully he has been i can't disagree that he's been disappointing but i think that he could turn it around i I don't don't see him on their team next year the Warriors? Uh, yeah. Is this his last year of his deal? I don't know. But either way, I don't see him on the Warriors. Yeah, he clearly year. doesn't fit, and someone will pay him exactly what he's making right now. And it Agreed. won't be them. And they're already way over the luxury tax. 
Did you see the Warriors actually are the number two most valuable franchise in the NBA behind the Knicks? Knicks. Yeah. And when the guy who bought the Warriors in 2010 bought them for half a million, now it's like, I mean, not sorry, excuse me, like 500 million. And now, now it's worth three five, billion. five billion or yeah. something. So I'll go with my next one, and that's Devontae Graham. Mm-hmm. Last year, he was supposed to be a most improved player candidate, but he didn't get it. Um, and Luca even said that he should have gotten it over him. Like we said, it's just the narrative with those types of awards. But last year was a 40% two-point field goal percentage. 38, 7% three. Now he's below 30% on his two point field goals. And he's just 32 and a half percent from three down six points per game. He's taking about two less shots per game only. Um, His assists are down about one. So, I mean, it makes sense with LaMelo and Gordon Hayward taking some shots away, but when you get that most improved player supposed to keep going, at least I would understand if he was at like 16 points per game but on like maybe the same shooting percentage. But he's shooting per, he's barely shooting 31% from the field, and it's just so poor. I mean, it is Charlotte. Maybe it was just people figured him out from the film, like Siakam kind of deal, but everything's down. Free throws are down, three-pointers down, two-pointers down. It's just, I don't know. I thought maybe him, we, Scary Terry's definitely better than him now. Gordon Hayward, soon LaMelo will overtake him, and then... Does he really – what's his place in the league after that, getting overpaid by Detroit, like Plumley? Yeah, I mean, kind of reminds me of uh, Carson Wentz with the Yips taking a point guard at third in the draft when you got a guy that could be a most improved candidate and still could be putting up 18 a game. I mean, probably not the case. I don't think – I think Graham has the confidence to be good. He was really, really solid last year. Like you said, teams could have figured him out. Kind of sad. It is still earlier in the year, um, but I hope he turns it around, makes him takes his game to the next level. All right, that's all I got. Anything else for you? No, nah, it's fun being back. I enjoy recording these. I hope we can. Uh, we will record some more soon. Yeah, the uh, the Wizards are finally back tonight after a long hiatus of COVID, and then Kyrie's back after scary a long hours. hiatus. It is scary hours. The in Mavs Brooklyn. still have no one back four people out and hopefully next time i record this the mavs will be over 500 all right see you guys later real